You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and we are continuing with an anatomy lesson today. Uh, Previously, we'd gone through several different muscles in the lower extremity, so we're just picking up where we left off. So let's get right into it. We're going into the anatomy of the hamstring muscle group. There are three muscles in the hamstrings. The the major one that we'd look at primarily is it's going to be the the lateral hamstring muscle called your biceps femoris. And the reason it's the major one is if you've ever seen somebody do a hamstring curl, whether it was seated or prone or on a ball, and they do this curl, they tend to People tend to have their feet turn away from each other, kind of like their feet are mad at each other. They're just not talking anymore. And the feet turning away from each other is an indication that there is a rotation that's going on that may not necessarily focus as much on the other two muscles in the hamstring group. Now, here are the muscles. You've got your biceps femoris. And there are two portions of the biceps or two heads. It is the short head and the long head. The short head does not cross over the hip. It crosses the knee only. The long head of the biceps femoris crosses both the knee and the hip. Now, the semi-sisters on the other side, semi-membranosus, semi-tendinosus, and they cross both the knee and the hip. And we oftentimes think about the hamstrings. We think about knee flexion. And it is true. All components of the, the hamstrings will flex the knee. So the hamstrings are knee flexors. They're also hip extensors, so they run up and down on the posterior side of the body. They cross over the hip and into the ischial tuberosity, and they will do hip extension, except for the short head of the biceps femoris, uh, which does not cross it over the hip. But here's the interesting thing is they, they cross either, they're on either side of the knee. So the biceps femoris is on the lateral side and the semimembranosus and tendinosus are on the medial side. So what happens there is that there is an external rotation of the tibia that can take place. And so what you might be seeing is the biceps femoris is either doing an external rotation of the tibia, causing the tibia to rotate, and therefore to the foot to look like it is, it is moving away. It's a rotation of the tibia. Or because it is on the lateral side of the hip, it has a hip external rotation as well. So that rotation could be coming from the hip or it could be coming at the knee. But either way, biceps femoris is a knee flexor. It is a hip extensor. And it will also externally rotate the hip with the long head and will externally rotate the tibia uh, at the knee joint itself semimembranosus, semitendinosus on the other side are knee flexors, yes. They are hip extensors, yes. But because of their location, they will also internally rotate the tibia and they will also internally assist in rotating the hip. So we've got this internal rotation of the tibia, internal rotation of the hip joint. So we've got these rotations that we don't necessarily think of just in isolation we'll look at their ability to flex the knee and extend the hip we also know that functionally they will eccentrically decelerate 
hip flexion and knee extension. As a matter of fact, when you go into a stretch, in order to lengthen them, you can bend forward at your hip with your knees fully extended and you will feel a stretch. However, if you internally rotate at the hip or externally rotate at the hip, you'll feel different sections of the muscles being addressed. And so if you internally rotate, you might feel a little bit more of the biceps femoris being stretched. If you externally rotate at the hip, you might feel a little bit more of the semi-sisters, semi-membranosis and semi-tendinosis being stretched. And that's the component parts uh, of these. So it's not just what does it do in isolation, it's how it works functionally, how do we stretch it, what does it decelerate. And so if we think about while running, the hamstrings go into a very rapid hip flexion and knee extension. And oftentimes you'll hear people straining their hamstring and it's because when a muscle is lengthened and then it's dynamically activated in a lengthened position, unless you're really well primed for that, you've got the strength for that, and you've got the practice for that neuromuscularly, you're used to doing it. When you go into this rapidly and you're not prepared for it, that protection mode kicks in a dynamic contraction of a muscle that's eccentrically lengthened can create a strain in the muscle. It can create a muscle strain. And oftentimes it'll be a biceps femoris strain, but it doesn't mean that the semis don't also get strained as well. Also because the biceps femoris is very similar in its joint actions as the gluteus maximus. Obviously not at the knee, because the glutes don't cross the knee, um, but it does have an effect there. So think about this. With the gluteus maximus, you've got this large muscle, and its primary job is to extend the hip, right? Just like your hamstrings are synergists, glutes are going to be your primary hip extensors. It is an abductor and an external rotator. So you've got these multiplanar muscle here with with the glutes that and and because it runs at an angle so there's an oblique angle to the glutes then you're going to actually have multiple planes of motion being moved through so if it was straight up and down just on the posterior side it might be sagittal it was straight uh if it was running completely laterally then it might be just horizontal or just frontal or a combination of that but because there's an oblique angle it's going to do hip extension, sagittal plane. It's going to do abduction, frontal plane. It's going to externally rotate, and rotation is going to be in the transverse or horizontal plane. So you've got these movements that are taking place. The, the planes of motion that the glutes should work through in acceleration and should assist in deceleration. So for instance, in an overhead squat, if you see somebody, or squat in general, and their knees tend to knock together, then it might be in part because the glute's inability to decelerate adduction and internal rotation while going into flexion, hip flexion. So you might see the knees knocked together. You might see the, a rotation of the knees as they duck in. And that is a, that's a, that's a, an issue there that we're looking at the deceleration or the inability to decelerate those joint actions. Well, what muscle should be decelerating that joint action. The glutes will have a large deceleration component for that. So again, primary joint actions concentrically, hip extension, abduction, external rotation. What should it decelerate? The opposite of that, hip flexion, hip adduction, hip internal rotation.
So these are uh, obviously it's an, an important muscle group, and you're going to see a carryover between what happens at the hamstrings and what happens at the glutes. So if we look at the biceps femoris and we look at the gluteus maximus, they both are hip extensors. They are both hip external rotators. They are both hip abductors. So if the glute's not firing well, then you might have the hamstring, that, that biceps femoris, saying, look, if the glute's not going to do it, I guess I'll do it. I guess I'll do it. I guess I'll do it. And you get this over and over, this, this hyper-facilitation of that particular hamstring muscle. So now when it comes to knee flexion, the semis are like, hey, let me help out. And the biceps femoris is like, you know what? Calm down. I'll do it. Let me take it. Let me take it. And it leads to this, this cycle of let me take over and you guys back off. And eventually that's going to lead to some serious dysfunction. And we start to add strength or speed into any of that, especially in a lengthened position, then it could lead to a, a strain in those muscles. So that is the, uh, that's kind of an idea of how those work in synergy. Now we've talked about the glute max, so let's talk about two other glute muscles just to continue with that particular series. And we've got your glute medius, and the glute minimus, and glute medius is one that we talk about a lot. And the glute minimus is a little tricky because it has very similar joint actions to the TFL. So we'll, we'll talk about these two muscles, but let's address the glute medius first. Now, the glute medius is probably your primary abductor. So it is going to abduct at the hip. And we like the glute medius because when we see people adducting, we see them internally rotating in a squat or in just their gait patterns, in their locomotion. When we see that happening, then we have to look at it and say something is letting those things go into that range of motion that we don't appreciate. What muscle is letting that happen? And the glute medius is a big part of it. So it's going to traditionally, we're going to look at it as your primary abductor at the hip. So the femur is going to be going into this abduction. But the it's got a couple of different components to it. There are anterior fibers that will do internal rotation. There are posterior fibers of the glute medius, and they will do external rotation. So as you get closer to the front, the more they start to change their oblique angle, and they change what they do. So as you get closer to the front, it becomes a little bit more of an internal rotator as the fibers move closer towards the back, a little bit more of an external rotator. But it should really, in its function, dynamically stabilize the hip. So if we're going through sagittal plane range of motion, it should be able to stabilize our frontal plane and our transverse plane. That's really what it does as we go through sagittal plane. Now, in the frontal plane, it's going to be an abductor. It's going to move us into abduction, and it's going to decelerate adduction. But when you look at the glute minimus, the glute minimus is a little bit more anterior. And as you get a little bit more anterior, then it's going to be, it, yes, it will abduct just like the, the glute medius will, just like the glute maximus will, it will be an abductor. But as you, it, because of its location, it will also do internal rotation at the hip. So it is a hip internal rotator. Now, 
let's look at at this all-in function, right? Let's go back to the overhead squat assessment. If I see somebody in an overhead squat assessment and their knees start to knock together, then I would look at my glute complex as something to help minimize the adduction internal rotation as the knees start to knock. So there might be something that can concentrically cause adduction to happen, though. We talked about last time TFL is a big component of that, but also your adductor complex. So the adductor complex is made up of five muscles, and uh, here they are. There's the, the pectineus, the adductor brevis, the adductor longus, the adductor magnus, and the gracilis. So let's go again. Pectineus, adductor brevis, adductor longus, adductor magnus, and gracilis. Uh, one of the ways to remember those is a, an, uh, is a mnemonic called peanut butter leaves me greasy. Peanut butter leaves me greasy. P is for pectineus. Butter is brevis. Uh, leaves is longest. Me, magnus, and greasy is gracilis. So man, maybe that'll help you. Now, all of these muscles, all of these muscles are adductors, and they're on the medial side of the, the legs. They're in the medial thigh. They cross over the hip, so they're uh, around the pubic bone and the ramus that goes back towards the, the ischium. They, they all adduct. They all adduct. And they have component parts to them as well. As they adduct, the primary, almost every one of them, uh, as a matter of fact, yeah, almost every one of them have this internal rotation component at the hip, except the posterior fibers of the adductor magnus. The anterior fibers help to internally rotate. The posterior fibers, because this muscle is such a large muscle, is that they will actually, um, they, will, they will externally rotate. And the anterior muscles will assist in hip flexion, and the posterior fibers of the adductor magnus will assist in hip extension. As a matter of fact, if you've ever done squats and you've kind of reached back to the back of your thigh and been like, man, my... My hamstrings are really sore. It may not be your hamstrings, primarily because people say, uh, because your medial hamstrings are often not firing that well. The glutes often don't fire that well. So you get this combination of the biceps femoris and the posterior fibers of the adductor magnus that will be your primary hip extensors because they have synergistically, they should be extending, but now they are dominating extension synergistic dominance has started to jump in and hip extension is taking place usually primarily now your adductor magnus posterior fibers and your um, your biceps femoris now going back to the adductors all of them cross over the hip joint one of them crosses over the knee joint that's the gracilis and as it crosses over the knee joint we have to pay close attention to it so if you've ever done like a butterfly stretch where you're where you're seated you're palms or the plantar surface of your feet, the soles of your feet are touching each other, and then you try to push your knees down towards the floor. Well, it can do that, but what we also look at is the gracilis is, is when you extend your knee and now your legs are straight out, you feel like, man, I, I don't have nearly as much flexibility as I thought I did. It's not the other adductors that changed. The only adductor that changed would be the gracilis is now more greatly involved in that stretch. And that could be your limiting factor and your ability to go into that kind of split squat position 
uh, as you stretch your adductors. So adductors, primarily adduct, all of them adduct. They decelerate abduction. They decelerate abduction. They really work well to help dynamically stabilize sagittal plane movement in the frontal plane. So it keeps our knee stabilized on the medial side. uh, And then the abductors, like the glute medius minimus, even glute maximus, help to stabilize in the frontal plane on the outside of the leg. So these stabilizers uh, are additional functions of what would take place with both the adductor and abductor complex. So joint actions again, concentrically adductors adduct. Let's just keep that in mind primarily. Uh, Anterior fibers can hip flex and internally rotate. Posterior fibers, adductor magnus, help to hip extend, and they will help to externally rotate. Now, let's get another muscle here. I like this muscle. It's called the sartorius, and uh, I, I always remember this muscle because of Biggie Smalls. Sartorius. Sartorius is the longest muscle in the body, and it's an interesting muscle. When you look at its location, it's got a lot of things that are going on here. It can help to flex the hip. It helps to abduct the hip, and it helps to externally rotate the hip. Now, that's a lot of things already, but it's not done. So we got hip flexion, abduction, external rotation, But it also crosses over the knee, and it's a really long muscle. So it crosses over the knee, and it can do knee flexion as well. It can do knee flexion, and it can also assist with tibial internal rotation or knee internal rotation. So when we look at all of these things together, if you think about what's happening, the sartorius is the muscle that puts you in a cross leg position. So if you're sitting there with your right leg down and you pick your left leg up and cross the left leg over the right leg so that the ankle is sitting on top of the knee, then it's this kind of figure four looking position that's taking place at the lower, uh, at the legs. But it is what's called the tailor's position. The tailor's position, so one leg is crossed over the other leg and they would lay and drape out clothes over the leg and that way they could sew the clothing. What's the sailor's position? Well, a tailor was called uh, a sartorial. And so the sartorius in literal translation means the tailor muscle. The sartorius muscle is the tailor muscle because it puts you in that figure four cross-leg position where you've got one ankle over the knee of the other leg. So this tailor's position is the tailor muscle. The sartorial position is the sartorius muscle putting you into that position. Awesome. Well, uh, I think that was pretty cool. I hope that you find some of these, uh, these, these helpful. I'm going to add in a few more. We're going to continue to go with these, uh, 
these muscles and work our way through the lumbopelvic hip complex, the core musculature, and on up into the upper body. Thank you so much for listening. Continue to listen and to share. If you've got any questions, feel free to reach out uh, to NASM directly. You can reach out to me. I'm more active on Instagram than anything else, dr.rickritchie. And you can also hit me up uh, via email, rick.ritchie, R-I-C-H-E-Y, at nasm.org. This is the NASM CBT Podcast. As a thank you for listening to the NASM CPT Podcast, I've got a special offer for you. 20% off of any NASM order. You can use that 20% to get certified as a personal trainer through our CPT program, the standard for the fitness industry, or expand your career with one of our specializations, including our latest one, NASM Nutrition Certification, which gives you the skills to be a certified nutrition coach. Get 20% off your order by calling 800-460-6276 or visiting nasm.org and using the code PODCAST20. That's 800-460-6276, and the discount code is PODCAST20. Start changing even more lives today.